0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Dig Deep. I am so excited today as we continue our series, Unicorns, Perfect Parents, and Other Mythical Creatures. Today, I'm going to be interviewing my own mother, my mom. Mm. You can say hi to everybody. Hi, mom. Hey. <laughs> this is Marcy Graybaugh, my mom. She is awesome. I I know I said last week that she is not a perfect parent, but she did a really great job. And one of the times when I started really understanding how great of a mom you were was when I was probably when our relationship was most tense Mm -hmm. was when I was starting high school. Mm -hmm. That's probably when we fought the most. Mm -hmm. I was, yes. Anyway. And at that same time, all my friends were asking you for all this wisdom and advice. Some of my friends were asking if you would adopt them and they were only half joking Because you are a woman of wisdom, and so I'm excited to interview you today. Um, Let's start this off right away. I told everybody last week you have five kids, and so if you had five kids, you must have known from early on that you wanted to be a wife and a mom.
1: And yeah, that's kind of funny story because actually, no, Um, there was a very clear time in my life where I was not going to get married or have kids. Um, Actually, to back up, I was one of four kids and very happy family. And when I was around 12, um, our whole family changed because my mom and then my dad both became Christ followers. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after that, all four of us kids, we changed churches and we all heard the gospel and it really changed um, who we were. And that's actually how I started babysitting a lot because we were going to a church that had a lot of young families, gotcha. lots of kids, and babysitting was pretty much the only way to make money. So sign me up. You know, that's how I was going to make money. But, you know, I was a kind of babysitter that would, like, change the clock an hour earlier so the kids would think it was bedtime. Oh, my... And... Uh, <laughs> did you do that when we were growing up? No. Oh, okay. Well, not that I remember anyway, well, but um, but that's what I would do when I was babysitting because I just really didn't enjoy the process. I just did it for the money. And then a little bit later, when I started dating, um, I, I really... You know, I dated quite a few young guys, and um, but nothing was magical. And um, basically, I concluded that boys were dumb and kind of a waste of time. And mm-hmm. so when I was 16 years old, I was absolutely clear that I was never going to get married and I was never going to have children because I really shouldn't bring children to the world. I was just a horrible babysitter, so I'd be <laughs> a terrible mother. And I wanted to go into medicine, so I was going to be a medical missionary and travel the world and do something important. Wow. But then... And then I met your father, and well, there was some magic, I guess, there, and um, within a very short time, within a year of dating, um, I really didn't even want to go to med school anymore, I just wanted to get married, and I could see that we could have children together, but um, we dated for four long years while I went through college, and got married two weeks after I graduated with a bachelor's degree, and... But before our first anniversary, I was pregnant with our first. Wow, and your brother. (laughs) Yes, and
0: then you proceeded to have several more of us, and so your life ended up looking a
1: little different than very different from what I what I had pictured when I was sixteen. Well, and
0: now all five of us are grown and launched. Mm -hmm. You're officially an empty nester now, Mm -hmm. and it's great. Oh man. Yeah, I and mean, you're enjoying grandma life too, yes. which is awesome. Yeah. And I know a lot of people ask you this question because people ask me, people who know our family and know that you've successfully raised and launched five kids who are all really different from each other, mm-hmm. but we all um, are mm-hmm. Christ followers mm-hmm. and we're all pretty, pretty, pretty happy and healthy, all things considered. And so people, have asked you this question. A lot of people have even asked me, like, what did your mom do? Mm. What's the secret to her success? What's her like secret mom sauce? Mm. So
1: tell us what it, what is it? How'd you do it? Well, I hate to disappoint you, but there really is no one thing. Um, it's not a, it's not a, a program. There's no key. There's no perfect plan or strategy. But this is um, what bothers me
0: about parenting because now that I'm a parent, there are, zillions of books about Mm -hmm. parenting and lots of really great
1: ones. And yet it still is so hard. It is. It is hard. And, um, I really liked what you said last week about the book that you're reading. And I wish I'd had that book where it talks about parenting as a relationship. And if I could sum it up, that's, that's what I learned on the journey. I started out, we read a lot of books. We did a lot of parenting Bible studies, and there are a lot of good ones out there. We learned, good things from every one of them. Mm. But what we found is that none of them were, quote, perfect for our family because while it might help us solve a problem we were having with one child, it didn't fit the other at all. And so what my style of parenting, our style of parenting evolved to was to really start thinking about the principles of what are we trying to do? What are the big picture things that need to happen here? And then how are we going to get there with each of our children Um, instead of this is what we, you know, have time out for. If you do this, you're going to have time out. And if you're going to have, you know, those kinds of disciplinary things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it does, it harkens back to what we talked about last week with not having a list of tasks where you say, okay, Mm -hmm. this is how to parent well, this is what great parents do. And so I'm going to do all these things. And if I check all the boxes, then, mm-hmm. then I'll succeed. I mean, there's no guarantees because mm-hmm. it's a relationship and relationships mm-hmm. grow and change and are organic. And mm-hmm. so they're, they just can't be forced into some mold. And we've talked about this before. And I love the way that you describe, like you just said, you've said to me before, when I've had questions about parenting our kids remember that it's about the principle, not the program Mm -hmm. and feeling it's so easy for me to find a program that really works for one of my kids. And then Mm -hmm. the next one comes along and it doesn't work for them. And I feel frustrated because I feel like I'm doing something wrong and Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: Well, and that's actually one of the earliest books I read. I, when we were newly new parents, um, it started out with a verse, um, Proverbs 22, 6, which says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And mm-hmm. I remember vividly in that book that it said that that was a promise from God, and it's, hmm. it's not. Proverbs are generally wise sayings, but they base the whole book on wow. if you do these things right, if you check all the boxes, if you go through these tasks, then your children will Grow up properly, and of course, who doesn't want that? Right. Um, it puts all the control in the parents' hands and it takes the control out of hmm. away from God hmm. and it certainly puts our kids in a box; they're not in a box, so um we we discovered very quickly through another Bible study that that was really um that was improper interpretation of that verse, and that's when we started to look at. You know, how do we develop our style of parenting for our children and building those relationships? Because they're all unique, as you said so well last week. Mm, That's really good. Yeah, I know we've talked
0: about that verse before. And I think I've always struggled to, I never read that book, but I've, it's hard for me to not look at that as a promise. But you're Mm -hmm. right, Proverbs are are not promises, Mm -hmm. they're wise sayings. I mean, it even later in that chapter, as I was reading it further, it refers to it as, listen to these wise teachings and Mm -hmm. sayings that I'm giving Mm -hmm. to you. And it is a wise saying and we Mm -hmm. should do our best to show our children the way. Mm -hmm. Um, but they ultimately are individual human beings that make their own choices. Mm -hmm. And, um, we only play a certain role in that.
1: Right. We're really shepherds more than, um, we're not military leaders. We're not leading a unit. We're not trying to take the hill and get everybody to march in formation. And and um, we, you know, we're shepherding and guiding and releasing. Yeah. And that's one of the most important things. It's hard to learn, but really, it, we start releasing our kids right after they're born. We just don't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, they become their own people right after they're born, and we want them to. We encourage them to. We we can't wait for them to crawl and then walk and take their first steps and then wow there's kindergarten and they're so grown up and you know we're so excited and we look forward to those times of releasing them to bigger and better things but then typically when the children get ready for middle school I think it's around 12 11 12 right around puberty is when as parents we want to Yank them back in. We want to reel them in. We want. Oh, to... see,
0: I struggled with that with kindergarten. I I didn't have to wait till middle school. <laughs> okay. I wanted her to walk. I wanted our kids to walk and crawl. But like sending them to kindergarten is yeah. That's well, but yes, I think you're right. I mean, most it is of us sad. At some point, we we
1: grieve every phase. Well, sure. Yeah, because you grieve. You know, when they, you know, start walking, and you're like, "Where's my chubby little baby sitting on the blanket?" And now they're walking all over and getting into trouble. True. So, but it's exciting too. Yeah, yeah, but it's exciting. And then I, th- but I think that's that's one of the challenges is in with adulthood is really releasing them all the way through and continuing to loosen our grasp on them and to esteem them. Yeah. Cause ultimately when they're 18 years old, they're free and legal to walk away from us forever. And so we need to be thinking in terms of how. Don't tell Ben I? that
0: because Ben, when our oldest was, I still remember cause she was 18 days old mm. and he was holding her and looked at me with this, stricken look on his face. And he said, Do you realize (laughs) that she is one three (laughs) hundred and sixty-fifth of the way to her eighteenth birthday? So he's definitely you know, struggles with the idea of them. But that's true. And when they're Mm eighteen, I mean ultimately, like it or not, they Mm -hmm. can and may choose to
1: Mm
0: -hmm. leave and kind of leave forever. And so you have that time. And it's really it's what we
1: want them to do. We really want them to have their own lives and to uh, make good choices and, and, and connect with people beyond us. So mm-hmm. it's a good thing, but we need to continue to do that and release them. And that's
0: uh, a, re- I've, that's a question that I, it's something I think about a lot. I've, I hear other parents talk about this mm-hmm. a lot, the idea of these major transitions and milestones mm-hmm. and, getting ready for the big transition to middle school or high school Mm -hmm. or even, even smaller transitions than that driving, Mm -hmm. um, going off to college, all those things. And I love the way, you know, I mentioned Julie Richard last week Mm -hmm. and from fearless mom. And I love the way she describes it. She says that ultimately parenting is all about the transitions and we should always be looking to the future, knowing that these things are coming. And she paints the picture as parents, we go from holding our child in our arms. So holding to hand, holding to pointing to waving. Mm. And she said, it's always good to look at your children through that lens. And that's Mm. hard for me because mine, mine are just now transitioning from my older to are starting to make their initial transitions from a hand holding to pointing. Mm. And it, it freaks me out Mm -hmm. big time because, Mm -hmm. and I can't even imagine waving. I mean, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm far from that, but I think that Mm -hmm. visual is um, really helpful for me to know that that's how it's supposed to be. And that that's what we're working toward is Mm -hmm. ultimately that waving. And it's not a wave goodbye forever. God Mm -hmm. willing Um, Mm -hmm. that relationship will continue, but, but thinking through parenting through that Mm -hmm. transitions. And I think that's an area where you, are really strong as a mom. I think you always, Mm. um, and again, I think we were all really different as kids. So what was that like navigating those transitions?
1: Well, that was, it was definitely tough. Um, and, then there are a lot of great programs out there, but that do what you were saying is like at 10, they should be doing this. And that's the pediatricians, everybody, sure, right. tell you these are right. the benchmarks yes. you know, and, we want, and we want to do that. And we want to make sure our kids are on track. And right. Yada, yada. But with a large family, you know, we have so many different kids. There's a risk to setting those benchmarks within the family and making it a cultural thing where, you know, at 12 years old, you get your own brand new bike or something. And then everybody thinks they need a brand new bike. Mm-hmm. Well, Maybe they're not ready for that, or it's not the right thing for them, or they don't even want to bike yeah um, so what we tried to do is to remember back to you know how you all walked at different times. We had one that walked at nine months and one week, wow, and another one who that was walked that? Adam, yeah, he, he was did. nine months old, yeah, he was nine months and Always oh, so advanced he took his first step, <laughs> and then um someone else who i won't name um was more like fourteen and a half months, I know who that went. was. Was it me? Yeah, it was you. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I thought. Uh, (laughs) So it was my first and my second were very, very different. But, and you know, there's all those signs of getting ready to walk, but you know, you can't make them walk before they're ready to walk. It's not something I could do for you. And so it was just something I could watch for, and I could create the environment around you that was Mm. safe for you to take a step and encourage you. And that's really what it's like all the way through. And yet we forget that. We forget that. And somehow we think, well, you're 12 years old. You should be able to do this. You're you're 8 years old. Why can't you keep your room clean? Well, they're all different. Just like we all walk at different times, everybody's ready at different times. And so I loved what you said last week about time because these things don't, um, you don't learn these things about your kid. Um, unless you spend time mm. and you invest time in really understanding them and trying to see things from their perspective yeah. and getting to know them, that's good. So I actually came up with a, a way to think about these principles. Some of the big picture things is kind of corny. I was no, it it's not you, corny. This is great. I you, love it. Okay, you liked yeah. it. So anyway, it's like sort of five categories of how to look at your child, and you know, obviously, everyone has unique abilities. And so I started thinking about your hand. Just think, picture your hand, and your thumb has a unique ability. It's the only digit like that, and it can you know, allow us to grasp. And so each person has unique abilities. Maybe they're athletic, and their are things they're born with, and others are advantages, like they're from a wealthy family or hmm. um, a highly educated family, and they have lots of opportunities. Um, it can be all kinds of things. Um, and the opposite of that is your pinky, which... Reminds me of unique challenges um, in our lives. So again, you could be weakly, short. Maybe you're really tall. These are all challenges that we face that we inherit. Um, children also can suffer from traumatic experiences mm-hmm. as children, and that can be a challenge that marks them for their whole lives. So those are two of the five. Another thing to keep in mind is purpose. We're all given a purpose. God has created us and given us a purpose. So. The index finger, of course, is an obvious one to remind us of that because it points the way. Um, so mm. what is your child's purpose? And you could also think of this as a passion. So, for example, with the child that's having a meltdown in the in the store in Target, like you described so mm. well. I don't know um, who you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe it's because they have discovered they have a passion for... Um, for disobedience oh, or, uh, no for like for something so maybe i know with elijah it was helium balloons yes yes. he was yes, yes. fascinated it wasn't just that he liked it he was fascinated with them and so whenever he saw one he'd like lost all reason yes and wanted to you know have that balloon and and tug on it and see what it would do because i think he's a little scientist in there that's a passionate you know develop into a purpose yeah. that's hmm. something unique about him So that's purpose, and that's our index finger. And then our ring finger, you know, the finger that we wear our wedding bands on, can remind us of love. And I think it's an obvious thing that parents love their children. I think their parents naturally love their children. But what's important to remember with parenting children is to make sure that your children know that you love them and that's Mm. different from you loving them do they know are you you may be making those cookies every day that you were describing and baking those and thinking i'm i'm loving my children by baking these children these cookies but that may not be what communicates love to them Mm. so it's again it's important that they know they are loved by you and that's something you have to ask them that's something you have to have a conversation about So the last category, the fifth one, um, there's only one finger left. It's the middle yeah, finger. the middle finger, and it's kind of an important topic. <laughs> but that finger um, represents respect, and when you think about that finger all by itself, mm. it's the ultimate symbol of disrespect. <laughs> disrespect. <laughs> yes. So it's an easier way to remember that. So, but not only do we want to teach our children about respect, like we were talking with discipline, and that's a whole talk in and of itself. Yeah. But we also want to respect our children, so again, thinking about the meltdown in the grocery store, um, am I really respecting my child's nap time? Did I respect their need for lunch on time? Did I respect their need for avoiding helium balloons that you know intersect with their passion? Um, you know am I respecting them or I'm simply commanding them and demanding them to be respectful of me and my schedule and my agenda? And so respect goes both ways. Hmm. So those are some things, and it's just this, you know, when you look at your hand, it's like those are the five things, and they're easy to remember because they sort of fit. Um,
0: That's good. And just And so just to review, the thumb is unique abilities mm-hmm. that your child has. Yep. The pinky are some challenges that are unique to your child. And the pointer finger, index finger, is their purpose, their passions, the things that you can maybe see in their future. Mm-hmm. The ring finger is love, Mm -hmm. that they know that you love them and in a way that they can understand and feel your love. And then the middle finger is respect, because that's a huge... I mean, I think most parents, we struggle Mm -hmm. with teaching our children respect, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's something... I love the way you said it earlier, that because you love your child, teaching them respect is one of the most important life lessons mm-hmm. that will bless them right. because a lack of disrespect will mm-hmm. not, has never taken anyone anywhere good. Right. And so, so it's such an important lesson for.
1: Yeah. So that was always our ultimate, like we would always win those arguments. Oh we yes. Would do whatever I can, took.
0: I can attest to that. <laughs> I, no disrespect ever flew in our house in any way, shape, or form. And we mm-hmm. had a variety of different disciplines that mm-hmm. were utilized for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I know some people are not spanking people, and that is totally fine. Mm-hmm. My parents did spank us, but very minimally, I would say, mm-hmm. overall. And it was it was for ultimate disrespect, yeah. not just regular disobedience, but yeah, I'm still- reminding you and telling you do not do that mm-hmm. or there will be this consequence right. and then the direct defiance in the face right. of that right
1: direct defiance was always the key it wasn't that oh they're distracted they're tired um, you know and so i needed to communicate better what my request was it was looking me in the eye and saying totally no yeah. i'm not going to do that and um and of course that you know corporal punishment is controversial but you know we didn't do that much past i don't know 7 or 8 maybe right. not even that old right. Um, and it was very limited, but um, after that, it, it could become very painful. And I don't know if you remember a situation with you actually. Probably, I got Vivid. spanked in more than mind. anybody no, else. Well, in the it wasn't even spanking; it was much oh. later. It, I was driving you to um, some lessons that I had paid a lot of money for. It was like a class you were in. It was something you really wanted to do. Okay. And but you had announced that you were going to walk from the lessons to somewhere that I said, "No, you can't do that. It's not safe." And, um, all the way I'm driving you across town. I'm giving up my time driving you across town to the lessons that I paid for you to take because you were good at it and I wanted to see you develop and you were just sassing me up and down Sorry. and it just dawned on me. I mean, you were all of 14, um, right? Like yeah, I said, that age, that age. That I'm age. telling you that was not my year. And all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, why am I taking you to this? It's only money. So I literally, like, did a U-turn. I didn't I say anything to you. I didn't say anything. I just did a U-turn, and I went back home.
0: And I said, where are you going, Mom? <laughs> You're going the wrong
1: way. Yeah, it was it was bad, and you really went ballistic. And I just got silent, very, very silent, and I realized I had all the power in the world because you weren't going to go to those classes. So, But um, within about 30 minutes of you being in your room, mm-hmm. and um, you came out and apologized, and I thought, wow, that worked pretty well, but Mm -hmm. I was not going to tolerate the disrespect. So yeah, that was the principle. That was good. So yeah, you kind of make it up as you go along a little bit, and then you'd really trust God to guide you and give you the instinct of like, what am I going to do right now? And sometimes there is nobody there to ask or or no book to read. Um, You just, you need to listen to what God's telling you to do and respond to each child. And
0: like we said earlier, those things take time. It takes time to get to know your child and to really know their unique Mm -hmm. approach to life so that you can shepherd them Mm -hmm. in a unique way through those transitions. And I think a great try it today from just what we've talked through so far is to take that principle of the hand and each of those aspects of your child and write those down and then write down things that are specific to each of your children Mm -hmm. to ask what are my child's unique abilities? What are some of their unique challenges? Mm -hmm. Because every one of my children has definitely very different Mm -hmm. unique abilities and challenges. And then what are their passions? What are some things that I see them moving toward in Mm -hmm. life? What are ways that I can communicate love to them in a way they really feel it and experience Mm -hmm. it? And how can I teach them the huge lesson of respect that mm-hmm. will that will serve them really well, so mm-hmm. that 's a great try today i 'd encourage everybody to to write those things down and then mm-hmm. use that use that picture to help you in mm-hmm. in moments of decision to ask the question what 's really going on here and how do I help my child mm-hmm. move forward that's it 's really good and really and helpful. just the only
1: other thing I would add on that is that um, something we talked about earlier is that. With two parents, you're going to have your own strengths, your own abilities, your own challenges. And you, even you and your husband together may not see because you don't have that strength. You don't yeah. have that ability. And so it's, it's helpful to ask other people, to invite other people in the process. They can be grandparents, teachers, coaches that see something in your child that maybe you don't even see. You don't recognize mm. it as an ability and, um, and listen to that. Become a student of your child and study them um, yeah, as a good. unique creature that they are.
0: That's good. Yeah, and sometimes too we just take those things for granted because we see our kids every day, but those their teachers and coaches and people at church will start to mm-hmm. identify those things and those are things that we can cultivate. That's mm-hmm. really good. That's really good. And so I'd love to know too, Mom, as we're as we wind down. You know, we talked about how that proverb is not a promise to us. It's not um if you check all these boxes then your kids will be good to go but but you did have Christ as your foundation in parenting and you certainly mm-hmm. weren't perfect but for the people listening who are believers they they're Christ followers and they want to raise children who have that relationship too and and carry that faith with them out of childhood and into adulthood is there anything that you would point us to either in scripture or from your own experience that helps, God, helps us consider how we can parent our children spiritually and mm-hmm. launch them with strong faith when, they, when they're when they
1: grown? Great. Well, that, yeah, there's a, a lot of verses come to mind, um, and they've, so many of them have been helpful to me on the journey. But what came to mind when you asked me this was Deuteronomy 6, um, verses 4 through 9, which are very... Um, well-known passage. It starts here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then towards the end, it tells us to impress these things on our children, to talk about them when we sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframes of your houses and on your gates. Mm. So that's our checklist, right? right? And that's our temptation is to like, okay, how can I do all those things? But we have to back up to after love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. The next verse says these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Mm. And then we impress them on your children. So the checklist can be helpful. That can unite a couple, can give you a plan, a strategy, um, but the bottom line is that you need to be um, impress these things on your heart and listen to what God is saying to you about each of your children and about the direction He has you going
0: mm.
1: on your own heart with your own relationship yeah. with God. And that's, that's what's that's what's going to transcend. And then sometimes just get out of God's way. Hmm. You know, He's doing a work in your children's lives, and sometimes He uses them to speak to us. So, well, yeah.
0: Yeah. I know he's already done that with my children, especially mm -hmm. with Ava, my oldest. She humbles me big time sometimes. Yeah, it is.
1: It's very humbling. And I think having a lot of children, um, five children, I think it was after the third child that I realized I'm not the perfect parent. I'm never going to be the perfect parent. And it was a very humbling thing, but I encourage all parents, no matter how many children you have, is to humble yourselves and, um, and listen to what God has for you and your child. That's good. That's good. Well, thanks so much
0: for being here, mom, and sharing this incredible wisdom with us today. I'm so grateful for your approach to parenting and the way that you've raised all of us And we've had our bumps in the road, but um, I'm so Mm. grateful for your approach. And I think hopefully it's a blessing to everyone who's listening today. So thanks for joining us this week. Join us again next week. Um, I have a surprise interviewee next week that I look forward to introducing you to. So be sure to come back for the last week of Unicorns, Perfect Parents, and Other Mythical Creatures. Have a great week.